encouraging, inspiring, and equipping leaders. This is Coach and Joe. Welcome to Coach and Joe. I'm here with Mike Hardigree, married to Patty Hardigree. Been at the Garden Greenville for four years-ish now. Yes. I remember the first time I got to know you, it's kind of a funny story, was actually in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. God is so funny to me. You were here for two years serving this house. I'd seen you around, but didn't know who you were. And then we're at Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and got to know you, and you started talking about being a, a business leader at Titex. And I said, hey, I'm from Spartanburg, South Carolina. I know all about Titex. And here we are a couple of years later now, and it's been fun to watch how God's used you in my life, how God's used your wife, Patty, and my marriage uh, to Wendy. So here's what I want to do. You and me are about to take a journey on this podcast that's going to be pointed at helping as many business leaders as we can to share from our own stories, your stories, our failures of what spiritual capital is, why it matters in the marketplace. But before we start talking about marketplace leadership in the kingdom, I just want people to be able to get to know you. So your name is Mike Hardigree. Yes. You're married to Patty. That's her. You love her a lot. I do, I do. Tell us your story. You're you're an Alabama boy. Yes, originally. Went to Auburn University. Correct. Yeah. Didn't come to Christ until your late 20s? 28. Tell that story. I love it. Wow. Well, I uh, in high school, we went to church a little bit, but it was uh, honestly a sort of a dead church, and uh, the gospel was not really preached. It was more contemporary events, current events. And uh, so in... Um, this would have been in the early 80s, I think, uh, Chad. And uh, my mom got saved, and, and she was at that point 50 or almost 60. Yeah. She came to visit us in New York. I was working in New York City at the time. And she was sharing the guy said, I got to know Jesus Christ. She was so excited. And she said, I've got to find a good Bible-believing church for you. Uh, long story short, we found one. We were living at that time in Princeton, New Jersey, Yeah, uh, working in New York City every day. She found a good little Assembly of God church right on the Princeton campus. And I went. It was the first night we went was a, a Wednesday night, not on Sunday morning. And there was a small group of lady worship team. And there was one of those ladies, Chad, she beamed it was like Acts chapter 7 when they said the, uh, that Stephen shone like an angel. That lady shone like an and I had never seen it. And that's what I said. I, I want what that lady's yeah. got. And that's what led me to Christ. That would have been 70s? Uh, I think it was the early 80s, like maybe 81, 82, somewhere in there. Did you ever think that all these years later you'd no. be retired mm-hmm. with a successful career in the marketplace with a passion for that same Jesus, you're as hungry for him now as you were. You never saw it coming, did you? I, did, I didn't. I didn't even know what it was. I, I hunger for him more and more every day. I do. So it started with your mama. It did. It's always a yes. praying mama. Always a praying mama. And I had one. Thank, thank the Lord for that. So you started your career in the marketplace in New York. Yes. Area. Yep. How far from Manhattan? 30 minutes? I know. Uh, well, Princeton was about an hour. Okay. But no, I, I worked in Midtown Manhattan okay. for eight years. That long? In the uh, textile business and, and basically selling yeah. into the garment district. And it was all Jewish businessmen. And I got the those Jewish businessmen embraced me as a as an Alabama middle oh. boy. And I uh, got to know the Jewish culture and really appreciated them. Came to love them. 
So how did the door open for you to move uh, to South Carolina? Um, so this would have been in the uh, around 83, 84. And uh, I just knew that we had to get out of New York City. We'd been up there for eight years. We'd had our first child. And I didn't want to raise her uh, in in that area, in that environment. And so God uh, led me to a company called Titex, and I joined them in 80, it was 83 is when that was. And uh, it's a long story, but through a headhunter who called me and said, we've got this little uh, textile company in Spartanburg, South Carolina, looking for a new business development person. And uh, long story short, I got the job. You know what one of my favorite verses is? What's that? It takes the pressure off of me, uh, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. Oh yeah. For yeah. I know the plans I have for you. for you. I do so many of these interviews, and I notice the same answer tends to happen when I ask someone, "How did you get from there to here?" Mm-hmm. God opened a door. Yes. I think a lot of leaders get in trouble when they feel an illegal pressure to come up with plans for their own lives. And you know, well, the key part of that story was, uh, Chad, because I was a brand new baby Christian. I didn't know nothing from nothing yeah. with the Lord. And it was maybe six months into my walk with Jesus. And I just remember so clearly one Sunday morning before church, getting on my knees at the foot of the of our bed and praying, Lord, I got to get out of here. We, we need to move back south for our family. And it wasn't just a month later, I got that phone call, and he connected me in down in Spartanburg. I've noticed the older I get studying the kingdom that a lot of people associate the kingdom with when you die one day, like I'll mm-hmm. go into his kingdom. <clears throat> I think that's part of it. But the Lord's Prayer, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. A large part of the kingdom was initiated at Calvary. So the question is, all right, then how do I walk and what does that even mean? Mm-hmm. It sounds even kind of weird and European. You think castles and kings and queens. The kingdom is really predicated upon one principle, me surrendering all rights, all opinions, and I bow to the king. So kingdom, king's domain. King's domain. I think a lot of people get in trouble mm-hmm. And don't see doors opening because there's a lack of surrender. Part of success in life and marketplace is, Father, my life's yours. Let's take the rich young ruler, for instance. I mean, he's wealthy. Mm -hmm. There's something he couldn't do. Mm -hmm. He couldn't lay it down. He couldn't lay it down. I have a sneaky hunch. Richard Foster calls God the great hound of heaven. Before you cried out to move down south, of course, the weather's better down here anyway, that was probably God already nudging your heart. The great hound of heaven tends yeah. to push us into our prayers. He was setting me up. And so Titex came a calling. Yes. How old were you? Um, 29 or 30. What was the difference in Titex and what you were involved with for eight years in New York in terms of what you were putting your hands to in the marketplace? Was it similar? Was it more of a startup here? How? What? Looking back on your career... This is how God does it. He was grooming you for those eight years for your next assignment. He's always doing that. What did you bring from the Manhattan job into the Titex world, and what did you do at Titex? Wow. Well, uh, I started out in new business development, 
And my role in New York City was really because I was a rookie. They were starting me out. They don't give you the biggest, best accounts. So I started with small accounts or even no accounts. And they said, hard agree, go and develop the Jewish garment trade for us in the fashion district. And I'll tell you, I've got more stories. If you how many hours do you have? A boy from Alabama. From Alabama. But, you know, the thing that was fun was they they embraced me. They saw I was just a humble, sincere guy, I guess, but they embraced me. They brought me into Jewish delis and showed me how to eat matzo ball soup and the whole thing, and they invited me to their uh, bar mitzvahs and their weddings, and it was like they embraced me, and I just really enjoyed that, and I just loved the Jewish people. Um, so, but during that time, it was largely developing new business. And, uh, even though a lot of that time I was not even his yet, he just gave me ideas and showed me things and he blessed the work on my hands. And, uh, so that's what prepared me for the job at Titex to develop new business, which was primarily what I did for the 38 years. I think that I was there. Um, I was in a variety of sales, marketing, and business development roles, and for some number of years led the entire sales uh, and marketing organization. Uh, But I always had a heart for the pioneer stuff, the brand new stuff that was strategic and long-term. Let's talk about that because I I believe I've gotten to know you for the last couple of years. I believe you are pioneering two different things at Titex. Of course, God was doing it through you. Mm -hmm. One's on the marketplace side of things, product development, even going overseas. Mm-hmm. But then you began to develop a passion for spiritual capital. Um, yeah. It's it's weird. Only in this kingdom, the more you eat, the hungrier you get. Yes, There was a hunger for two things that I believe I've discerned what God was doing to you at that season of your life. Mm-hmm. Pioneering in the marketplace mm-hmm. and him showing you a side of him, the depths of his heart. Psalm 24, yes. who can ascend the mountain of God. Yeah. We could go on and on about that. A lot of businessmen and women... They get gung-ho about the product, and I think it's amazing. I even read uh, uh, a Jewish rabbi, Dave Lubin, what's his Uh, name? Lapis, I think it is. Steve Lappin. Lappin, Lappin, Lappin. I said, yeah. And he said the success of the Jewish people, he's a Jewish rabbi Mm -hmm. who who understands Jewish culture and and why they're so wealthy. He said Jews just really love their products, and they're Mm -hmm. proud of their products. There was that side of things that God was doing in you. A lot of American Mm -hmm. Christian men and women, get caught up into that and the spiritual capital actually decreases. Mm-hmm. So before we even start talking about what God was doing with you at Titex, in your language, what is spiritual capital? So I say spiritual capital, people are thinking, well, what is that? Mm-hmm. When I say spiritual capital to you, what what do you think of? Uh, that's such a good question. That, and that uh, is one of the favorite things in my heart, you, you, you know. And, and it comes back to that word we use around here all the time, yada, okay. and, and the New Testament, gnosko, and uh, my Amplified Classic, which is my dear word that, uh, that I carry with me everywhere, uh, says that um, gnosko is to progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with the wonders of him. And uh, he helped me do that. I, I met him in special ways. I encountered him. And uh, it's, he's the most precious thing in my life. So, You were not on staff at a church. Mm-hmm. How many international flights did you take? Oh, God. Chad, 
I was a Delta million miler in like 1985 or six. And I flew more after that. I don't know, tens of millions internationally, all over the country too. But here's what's wild. That's not what drove you. It's not what's driving you now. No. So I've been in ministry 25 years, um, about to turn 50. I notice a lot of leaders in the marketplace, they lose their passion. They lose that first love, and it becomes about the product, the miles, the accomplishment. But for you, what began to happen, you're not a paid vocational minister. You're flying all over the world. You're successful, but your spiritual capital and hunger for God just kept growing. Was it losing your wife? Was it what was the catalyst to want to know him so well? Yeah, the the first time that I can remember really experiencing his love was right after my first wife passed away. Uh, she was my high school sweetheart. She passed away in 1989 at 33 years old. We had two children, four and six. And so I found myself suddenly, and it was a six-month um, uh, sickness, and she was gone. And I found myself suddenly a single dad of a four- and six-year-old. And I just I, I just remember waking up early in the morning for my quiet time because I couldn't survive. I could not have made it without that time with the Lord every morning. And so I got them up at 6.30-ish for school, and I was downstairs at 5, 5.30, and it was the first time that I can remember because uh, Psalm 34, and I think it's verse 16 or 18, it says, yeah, he will make himself close to the brokenhearted. And he made himself so close to me. I was so brokenhearted. I was a broken man. And he made himself so close to me. And I can just remember for the first time feeling and sensing his presence. He was just hugging me and enveloping his arms around me. And that was the first time, Chad, I remember uh, reading the Word. He gave me such a love for the Word. He just, it, it became my life. And that I could, li I just literally felt oftentimes when I was reading the Word, it was just like I could feel the life actually infusing in, into me. I want to dig in there. If somebody's listening to this, we all want a passion for the Word. Yeah. Can you go back and discern, did, was it instant? Was it gradual? Uh, how did he give you such a passion for, for his word? Uh, or do yeah, you remember? That's a good, uh, I, I don't remember clearly, but it wasn't an instant thing. No, it was it, not. It was not. It was more gradual. And it was sort of like that verse, I believe, in Ezekiel about I, I, I ate that scroll, mm. and it was like honey. Uh, uh, to, to my lips and to my stomach. Mm. And that's what happened as, as I was eating the scroll and I was devouring it like it was like a literal food for my life, to, sustenance for my life. Mm. And something in there transitioned and it became just so important to me. And, and he started giving me revelation then too, opening up the word, the Holy Spirit was showing me things in a word that I had never seen before, understood before. And just that revelation knowledge started coming. So God draws close to the brokenhearted. Yeah. How many years passed until you met Miss Patty? Seven? Uh, Three. It, no, it was more like eight. Oh, was it eight? Yeah, I couldn't I remember. Was, I was a single dad for eight years. Eight years. Yeah. And your pain drove you to the father. Yes, brokenheartedness. And the more you yeah. started 
eating his word, the more it started getting in you. It came alive. I've never asked you this. Yeah. I'm curious. Go back and look at your career. Single dad working at Titex, high-level position, hired to build out a lot internationally. Mm -hmm. Did you notice that the closer you were, you know, James says, draw close to me, I'll draw close to you. It's so paradoxical. The closer you're getting with the father, did you notice a correlation with success in the marketplace? Very much did. Yeah. And I didn't fully understand it at that time. I was yeah. much, much younger, not only chronologically, but in the Lord. But um, one of my favorite verses about that is uh, Hebrews eleven six. For those who would draw near to me must believe that I exist, that I am a rewarder yeah. of those who diligently seek me. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you, first and foremost, he is the reward. Mm-hmm. But I realize, too, that there, all of the other, seek first the kingdom of heaven, mm-hmm. all these other things will be added. And that's, uh, and get, that's what was happening. we got to go slow here. So, okay, okay, okay. This, there's a lot. I want to unpack this. Yes, he is the reward. Yes. It's mine and your biggest passion. Yes. However, the other things, mm-hmm. plural, if we knew, he, he's reminding me something right now. One time he told me, <laughs> every time you do not respond to a false accusation and you forgive, money is put into your account. And I said, what? <laughs> and he said, I will fund everything I command you to do. I will draft off of you loving and forgiving. If we knew the avalanche of dominoes from spiritual capital, friendship with God mm-hmm. produces a favor that's not just more revelation of him. So, for example, Ephesians 1.17, spirit of wisdom revelation so we can know him better. Yes. Yes. But there's also other stuff involved. Mm-hmm. Favor in your marriage, favor in your health, favor in your finances, favor in your business contracts. It's the true riches of the kingdom. And Jesus tied those things in Luke 16, 11. He said, if you've not been faithful with worldly wealth, with unrighteous mammon, how can I entrust you the true riches of the kingdom of heaven? But what if he those can entrust true you? true riches. What if he can entrust you? And he does, yes, when you show yourself faithful. You know what I've noticed a principle over the years? So I have, uh, I have mentored a lot of business leaders that will never be on church staff, aren't assigned to be. And the Father will have me have them literally resign yeah. from their businesses. We did. When you first said that. Let's break this down. Yeah. So first of all, I love 1 Corinthians 14.1. That's where it comes from. Uh, eagerly desire love, pursue all the gifts, especially you may prophesy. So that was a prophetic word that God gave me. I like how Sean Bowles teaches it. Words of discernment, words of prophecy, mm-hmm. and words of knowledge. He just gave me a word of knowledge one day. He said, have the leaders I put in front of you resign from their jobs. What is that all about? When I resign, I enter the kingdom because now he's my CEO and I'm completely surrendered and I just follow where he goes. Exactly. When I follow where he goes, something tends to happen. Favor. Mm -hmm. Mike, 95% of the world's wealth right now is in Jewish hands. Mm -hmm. This covenant cutting God, it comes with benefits. Psalm 103. Yes. Forget not all his benefits. Exactly, yes. So I want you to speak into this. Why did you res- resign? You and Patty, I think you put it on paper. Why did you resign from what you're putting your hands to? And is it possible benefits is more than just intimacy with Abba? It's oh, the yeah. things. Talk yeah. about this. Yeah, all those other things follow. 
Uh, they do. And there's so many scriptures we don't have time of God. He shows us so much that if we love him, he wants to bless us. Uh, Deuteronomy 8.18 and uh, Proverbs 10, um, 10 uh, Proverbs 8 and 10 both, there's, there's several scriptures that if you will love me, I just want to bless you. I want to prosper you and I want to make you successful. And so, yes, there's, there's so many verses about that is the desire of his heart that we have more than enough. And, you know, I'm teaching this marketplace class, yep. and one of the students asked me, uh, well, you know, when God blesses me, is it going to be a million or 10 million or 100 million? And uh, so and it's a good question. And it was a sincere question from the student. And I said, well, he's going to bless you with more than enough, first of all, and he's going to give you more than enough for the assignment that he has on your life. Mm -hmm. For you, that may mean a million. Mm -hmm. For someone else, that may mean 10 million. I don't know. He knows. But he is going to bless you with more than enough for his assignment for your life. You and me are going to take a long journey and, and uh, help as many leaders in the marketplace as we can, and also just around here at Garden College. As we end this episode, I would love to hear one thing from you. You're in your late 60s. If you could go back and be a 37-year-old at Titex, mm -hmm. what is what is one thing you would tell your 37-year-old self as a marketplace leader, a God follower, that you wish you, you would have known then? Is there something that you would tell that person at your age now? That the greatest unfair advantage you can possibly have in business is to walk in deep friendship with, with the Father. And it, all of those benefits of walking in friendship that we were just talking about, he knows all things. He already has the answer for every problem that you will ever face. He already knows the problem. He already has the answer. He has every resource that you'll possibly need to be successful in business. Everything that we need for supernatural success, and I'd like to get into that maybe in a future show, For sure, that is not just normal success. He desires us to have supernatural success, but it's for a purpose. And the purpose of that is to bring transformation to the world around us. Um, the, the people don't want to listen to a business person that's not successful. You have no voice. You have no influence. But when God gives us supernatural success, yep. you, you then have a voice. You then have yep. influence for the purpose of authority to transform the world around you to transform cities. It goes to the parable of the miners in Luke chapter 19, yep. the faithful servant. He had 10 miners. He turned it yep. into 20 miners. And the Lord said, I'm going to bless you with authority over 10 cities. So authority was the reward. So it may offend some, but you actually can earn authority by being faithful in your stewardship. Right, so much to unpack there. I look, I look forward to unpacking all of this. That'll be fun. In some future episodes, we're going to talk about why were all 12 of the disciples that Jesus Christ yeah. picked, why were they all in the marketplace? They were recruited from the marketplace. What is that all about? Yeah. And perhaps mm -hmm. God's shaking his temple. Mm -hmm. I just wrote a book on how God is uh, initiating a methodological reformation in his church. I'm convinced of it. I am too. I think the, uh, the end game, if you will, is going back to the beginning game. Yes. What if before the return of Jesus Christ, the church looks more like it did those first 300 years than it has the last 1,700? 
maybe, just maybe, yeah. the church is headed into the marketplace. I'm absolutely convinced of that. It'll and be fun exploring that. I think you got a lot to say about that. I hope yeah. you join Mike and I on a journey. We're going to have a lot of conversations about what does it look like to father God to follow God with all of our hearts, I mean just with an abandonment, and also be successful in the marketplace. Mm-hmm. God wants us to be successful. He wants us to be fruitful. He wants us to have authority. Uh, bless you. Thanks for joining us, and uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks for joining us on the Coach and Joe Leadership Podcast. Don't miss the Coach and Joe Talk Show on YouTube and check out coachandjoe.com for more resources, blogs, and merch. We will see you next time.